welcome to Game Breakers, episode number three, uh, where we look at bringing tips, insights and experience from around the world of sport. My name's Rob Nicolay and today again, I'm joined by my co-host Danny Wilson. Uh, but today, our guest is none other than former Featherston, Sheffield, Castleford, Witness and most notably York City Knights player and now head coach, described as one of the most promising coaches in the game, James Ford. Thanks for joining us, James. Oh, cheers, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to, be, to be with you guys. Do you want to jump in, Danny? Yeah, just like take over Rob's thoughts. Welcome, James, and I just congratulate you on a very successful coaching career so far and what be the start of a long journey for you, mate. Yeah, yeah, cheers. And you know, really, really I feel like I'm really fortunate to have the position to be in the position that I'm in. Uh every day I you know I'm really thankful to for, to have the, the responsibilities that I've got and uh, I'm looking forward to, to being involved. I hope I've been involved for a very long time. Sweet. Obviously, I would just touched on there, you know, like say, um, described as one of the best young coaches in the game at the moment. How would you describe yourself personally uh, uh, in one sentence? Not, not as one of the best young coaches in the game. Uh, I'd, I'd just say I was a, a pretty driven, pretty driven to be to be better. You know, I'm very aware of my own strengths and weaknesses, and uh, I don't lie to myself. I know where I need to be better, and. Uh, I know what I'm good at, and you know I'm driven to to improve in in the areas to make best for my players. Does that change, James, when it comes into your normal normal day to day life? You know, as as a, as a, a partner, a son, as a man, is it still the same type of character, or does that change? It probably depends on who you speak to, Danny. You know, I mean, my missus is looking at me there. She she'd probably describe me as absent or or empty. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think when you when you put so much into one side of your life, there is going to be a knock-on effect. And I'm very grateful and thankful that you know my, my, my partner is very understanding and supportive. Uh, I'm the same in, in in everywhere else. Uh, you know, I was a teacher for 12 years, and there were there were parts of that job that you know I was really interested in and. Uh, really was driven to be the best I could be. You know, I wanted to be a really good, you know, practitioner in terms of delivering classes and understanding learning, and you know, if, I suppose exciting students to to want to be better. Uh, but I would, I couldn't sit here and look you in the eye and, and tell you well, I was really driven to, to to fill in all the admin that goes with it and, and all the box ticking that that goes with being a lecturer these days. Uh, so I think. If there's an interest there, if there's a, if there's a, if I feel like there's a purpose there, then yeah, I probably am really focused and driven to to, to being good on and better or better at stuff. If it's so, if I don't value them, I'll easily just kind of skirt past it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've known you for a while, uh, Fordy, and I think one of the ways I used to describe you is is obsessed um, with with the game, you know, and and your journey into. Now, some people might look at where you've come from over the last probably two years, but that hasn't been something that's just happened. You know, you've, you've put a lot of work into that. And when I say obsessed, could you probably explain or expand on why I might think like that in terms of when you've tried to develop yourself as a coach and where you've been? Yeah, well, actually, I, I, I won't say it's obsessed. I just say it's just, just trying to be better, trying to do my job properly. I, I, I see a coach's role as you, you're almost there to serve the players, give them the best opportunity to be the best they can be, the best team they can be. And if you're not doing that, then you're not doing your job. Uh, there's not many head coach positions available in rugby league. Uh, and as a, as a young player, you know, I probably came across too many 
head coaches who didn't go above and beyond to, to, to help players in all different disciplines of life and as a player. And I kind of resented that and it probably showed a little bit in my performances. Uh, you know, so I just feel like it, it's, it's, it's what I should be doing. I, you know, I should be looking for every avenue to be the best I can be because all coaches are very quick to go back to the players and ask them to put X and Y in the game and, and develop this and just you know, work a little bit on your you know, physical side as well. So if you're going to be, you've got to be part of that journey too. You've got to be honest with your, with your playing staff and, and you've got to be on that, have show that drive to be better than what you were the, the day before as well. You touched briefly on there about things that you probably resented as a player. Obviously played Super League um, and being in that environment. What type of things did you pick up then that you might resent it then that you absolutely will not do now or you make sure you're better at? Uh, lack of lack of work ethic, the lack of attention to detail, uh, not really taking the time to build relationships with players. Uh, you know, you know, I've been, I'm not going to name any names, but I turn up and you know, you'd be doing drills or simulations that just very little purpose, uh, very, you know, just just being there rather than practicing with purpose to, to get better. Uh, you know, probably coaches and not really understanding where a player's coming from or where he has come from in terms of the support or relationship he needs to build with them. And uh, as a young person, you, you know, you, yeah, you, you are difficult. In your early 20s, we are difficult, aren't we? And I just think if, I don't think I was surrounded by great coaches and I don't think it really helped me. And I think that probably, if you like, started my desire to be, to want to be a coach and want to want to see the game move forward and want to see uh, clubs and players move forward. I mean, how many how many coaches do you, do you know are, are happy just to be at a club and it, and it kind of stagnate and just be where it is? Uh, my, to me, that's just ridiculous. You, when you're at a club, your your ambition should be to take that you know completely out of the ballpark. You know, take it, take League One clubs into Super League. If you're not, if you haven't got that ambition, then you know I think you should move aside and let somebody else be a crack. Yeah, I think on that, like say, looking from the outside, the York side and that group, especially the last couple of years, it looks like it's a sort of a great environment to play in as well. It's got a good culture. Um, what would you, how would you explain sort of the, the togetherness of that group that you've got? Yeah, well, do you know what? I think some of it was done accidentally rather than design. And obviously I've done a little bit of research recently and found out that it was a good accident. You know, we, in terms of the connections that we that we we have with the players, so uh, obviously there's a lot of togetherness based on we're always interacting with each other on WhatsApp. We we know each other personally, socially. You know, we eat food after training with each other, and you know, so there's there's almost like a if you like a post session review forms. You know, on its own without without me kind of leading it, and uh, the players get uh, opportunities to to feedback via WhatsApp into you know in terms of what they. We prefer to work on in training, so they kind they kind of got. We're trying to empower them a little bit, uh, and then once they're empowered, we will make it really clear as to what our aims and objectives are, so they know where they need to get to. Uh, so there's a real there's a real positive vibe in our in our in our preparation, uh, lots of clarity, and, and I, I do believe the players feel that they've got some some control and some say, uh, and which I do believe helps engagement and helps that kind of positive uh, feeling around the place. Did, uh, did that t- take some changing over time, or do you think it just sort of came naturally then? Question. Uh, I think what I think what probably helped dramatically were having players like Ben Kane and Graham and Graham Arn and Tim Spears, 
players who I knew were probably better players than I were, and I wanted to tap into their to their experience, their knowledge, and I wanted to use them as, as you like to set set the culture, if you like to to design, yeah, set the standards. So in terms of extras, in terms of what were acceptable in, in training, away from training, how you prepare for games. So me saying it is and going on about it is one thing that's going to tick one box, but you know, Arnie coming at it from his angles, so quite a quite a funny guy, quite a you know calm guy. That's sticking up a box, and then obviously there's, there's Ben and Tim coming from it from their angles, which is doing. Oh, we're going to lug oil you, and I just think that we set a really good kind of uh, clear picture of of what a York player does and why they do it that way, and and it was really driven by by them three uh, by them three senior players. I like that, and one of the questions in here is about uh, attributes of a good leader, um, and I was going to ask you to kind of summarise what a good leader looks like to you. And you've probably done that already and you picked out some key points. So firstly, I will let you have the opportunity to just kind of summarise what our leadership qualities look like. But then I want to tag on to the back of that is how much trust do a playing group like a Graham Horn and a Ben Kane have to have in you to be able to portray your message? Uh... But go back to a leader. First thing, first thing that I would say is authenticity. Be yourself. You know, we've all been there when somebody's trying to be a little bit different, trying to be a little bit quirky, or trying to take up stuff that doesn't really sit with their skill set. And you can see, you just see straight through it. And I think people and players, especially, probably lose a little bit of respect for people who are showing a little, bit, you know, showing that kind of thing. So first, off authentic. Uh, then obviously, I think mean, you've got to be a really good communicator, uh, and you've got to have relationships with your with your, with your uh, staff and your players. So therefore, you get to know the other ones in terms of who can really drive your standards, who can who, can, who you don't really. You know, I didn't need to. I don't need to watch Tim Spears in the gym. You know, uh, so I don't. But there might be one or two that I do. So I make sure that I'm really close to them all the time without letting them know why I'm there. Uh, and so I think, yeah, the relationships, the authenticity, uh, and whatever else I said as well, <laughs> communication. I think all those three things bode well to help Tim, Ben, and Graham buy into you as a coach and deliver your message. Without that trust or that buy-in, I'm sure that would be fractured, and that's when a coach would struggle. No, definitely, definitely. And I think uh, what I'll probably often do with them guys is, is I'll kind of pre-plan it and have a chat to them about it. So look, Tim. When we need to improve in this area, this is what I'm going to say, and then I'm going to leave it to you. And uh, but I want you to address this and this and this. And or you might tip Graham up that you know we need to do a little bit more extras and skill wise. And can you pull these players? And uh, I think they, I think they respond to being trusted. I think they, you know, giving them that responsibility. I do think that they grow. And uh, because your leaders are born, you know. You know, you're made, aren't you? You're made by your practice and doing things over and over again and seeing stuff and learning from your mistakes. And I'm, I'm sure, well, I knew, I know Ben and I know, and I knew Tim as a, as a kid as well. And they, they didn't have this, the same characteristics that then that they've got now. Mm-hmm. So just going on that, like say, experience that like you're talking with people there, who would you say has had the biggest impact on you over the last five years? Over the last five years? Uh... I don't know. It's a tough question. I if, I really enjoyed working with Graham. I thought he was a really, really smart rugby player, and 
Uh, I t- you know, took a lot from Graham in terms of uh, you know executing structured attack and. Uh, but probably the person that's influenced me the the most, probably longer than five years ago, I'd probably say young a, a coach called Mick Cook, who you know an assistant at Leeds under Tommy Smith. And uh, when I started, number twenties at York, unbelievably, he was my assistant coach. <laughs> He'd come from Leeds, right? Tony Smith, you know, the Tony Smith to, to come away with. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, but you know, just like how he how he structured sessions and why he structured them in a certain way, and how he was with the players, uh, I, I just thought he were excellent. I just thought he was just an absolute top coach, and uh, he you know he took the time to to watch me do things, have a little smile to himself, and come over and, and ask me some questions here and there about what I might have said and what do I think now I'm not as irate. I would have been a better option, and I just thought he were excellent, uh, Cookie, and. Uh, it's a shame he's, he doesn't want to be involved in the game any, any, anymore. It's always good to have that kind of mentor there to, to support, especially from an early age. And credit to, to Cookie there to help helping you out. And I can't imagine you ever being hot-headed in a, in a situation for you, nice and calm. Um, yeah, well, and, and, well, you should say that, uh, <laughs> Danny, but <laughs> I've got myself in a, in a few tricky situations. <laughs> <laughs> All part of the learning process, though, and I think uh, when, you, yeah. when you're talking now, uh, you, you're quite clearly very humble in where you're at, uh, and, and obviously that's probably because you see yourself having a long way to go, and I absolutely should. Your background is in teaching that you've touched on. How close are they correlated or at all? I mean, some of the greatest coaches have come from an education background. Is that chance, or is it? No, education. I'd say they're absolutely uh, go hand in hand. They're, they're incredibly similar in terms of uh, planning the curriculum. You look at pre-season, so to me it's a curriculum, it's things you're going to cover through a programme and how you're going to cover it, how you're going to reinforce it to, to, to create learning, stretch players, make, you know, give them opportunities to fail, you know, give them feedback, different types of feedback. You've got to think about it. You can't all be negative. You know, you've got to come at from different angles. Uh, you know, you you might have some people in your group who are who are excellent at learning and such. You know, they've come from a different. You know, I mean, they're a bit advanced. Some are a bit behind, and that's just teaching. And that's it's exactly it's exactly the same. Apart from these are a bit older, and uh, you know they've got more of a mind of their own. And uh, and to be honest, I enjoy it much more. I do I do really enjoy being out on field with boys rather than you know, being in that classroom with some of the younger ones. I think with, with that, you've all got a common interest. If you're in a classroom, there's some students that probably might see something else past that hour session. Want to go and do it? You you got really kind of hone your skills because your group of players is very mixed. If you you know when you make that step up with Super League, whether that be York or in a, in a different role, the different not necessarily caliber of players, but where they are on their journey would be different. Like you see, you've got you've got Graham and and Ben. Uh, coming back, you know, they come to the twilight end um, of their career, and then you have some young kids that maybe are stepping out of academy rugby and trying to find a way to top end championship or or super league. Is that a difficult task? Do you, do you see that being different to super league? Uh, yeah, well, I think you're right. It would be different. You're working with genuinely world class players. It'd be, it'd be, I think it'd be exciting. I think it, it's something that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I certainly think there'd be less tell. I think there'd be more ask and there'd be more uh, you know, uh, 
self-discovery. You know, I read something about Craig Bellamy, you know, you know talk, letting his players kind of come to him and tell him how they're going to play and set their own you know, standards, what I need to review them against. And do you know what? If you had Cooper Cronk and, and Cameron Smith, you, you, yeah, you, you'd go with that, wouldn't you? Uh, but I still, I still believe players... You know, need a good culture. They need they need uh, rewarding when the when the when their efforts are. They need reminding when they when they're dropping below standards. Uh, they need opportunities to reinforce skill. You know, to the to the game, to their position, to the opposition that they're playing against. So, uh, yeah, there could be it would be it would be diffi- different. I'm looking forward to it when hopefully I do get the opportunity to to, to do that. Uh, but I certainly won't be overawed by it. Uh, it's just part and parcel of, of, the, of the occupation that I'm wanting to do. I think from a, being overawed by maybe considered pressure, I think you, you've shown how you can cope with that. And you know, Part of this podcast was trying to really delve beneath the skin of James Ford personally as well as, as the professional. But we'll probably leave that for another time because I think what you're talking about and how you answer questions straight away quite clearly show how embedded in your job you are. And I think when we talk about pressure, there's probably no more so than when, you know, probably the 2018-19 season where you probably exceeded expectations in the league. Probably, I know, I know what your aspirations was, is to get York to Super League that season and, and still is. And people probably laughed at you at the beginning of that year. Um, how, how, how did you cope with that? What was your thought process? And, and the outcome was exceptional. Well, there's two. There's, 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 there's two. There's two James Ford. There's the James Ford that I want to be, and uh, sometimes, most of the time, I am that person. And there's the one that kind of slips out now and again. And, and the one that probably slips out now and again probably would have been a bit cheesed off and maybe muttered, muttered a few choice words and just showed a little bit of immaturity about it, and uh, probably got myself in that James Ford got myself in trouble on the touchline at Oddsville when I got a, a touchline ban. Uh, but the, the the James Ford I'm aspiring to be and to be more consistently just shrug it off. It's you know what's what you know. I don't don't worry about the things you can't control. I can't control what you believe, Dave. Danny, sorry, <laughs> I can't believe. That. Uh, I believe in I you, mate. I believe in you. And to be honest, I'm not that fussed. You know, I'm fussed about my players, you know, my environment, and uh, us being the best we can be. And if other teams think that we're gonna we're gonna struggle, so what? Uh, if we're a team, yeah, and uh, we just focus on what we can control, and that is turning up every day and be the best versions of ourselves. And if we don't, if we do that, then I'll be happy. If we don't, then I won't. You've had some fantastic moments. Um, I feel sorry for this Dave character who obviously gave you a lot of uh, abuse at the time when you wanted to achieve them things, and, and you did. So, congratulations on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you touched on a bit about your. Uh, in a way, in a roundabout way, about your coaching philosophy just within there, what sort of personally sets you apart from everyone else, do you think? I don't think... Really, I don't think. Uh, we've, had a, we've had a couple of decent years. I don't particularly think we've, we've achieved anything yet. You know, it's a tough question to ask. I, yeah. Look, look, I, think I, getting around, I think you're getting around the answer yeah. for it. I, th- I think there is definitely something that sets you apart. I, I was a not to know from where you've come from to what you're achieving already and being rated as one of the best young prospects. I was a not something that sets you apart from, you know, somebody who's been in that situation and probably not quite achieved them heights or had a future like you probably going to have. Come uh, on, give us it. Well, I just, I think in, in many ways I'm, I'm fortunate that I've I've got a massive love of the game. I just love rugby league. 
You know, I can watch I can watch any game of rugby league and be absolutely enthralled by it. You know what they're trying to work out, what they're seeing, why they're doing that. Uh, you know, and I spent twelve years teaching, which almost twelve. I spent twelve years practicing, being a being a head coach. Uh, so I'm, I'm 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 fortunate that I, them two occupations are so closely linked that I probably developed my skills a little bit more than a, than a, than, a, than a coach with the same same years of experience as me has had. Because he might have been, I don't know, uh, an accountant for 10 years of his life and then his coach for five years, where I've been a teacher for 12 years and a coach for five years. Well, really, I've been a, I've been a coach for 17 years uh, and I've made an awful lot of mistakes. I've done some, I've done some daft stuff. I've delivered some, some crap lessons. Uh, I've, I've come at things in a completely wrong way. Uh, but you know, you, I'm keen to reflect. I'm keen to be better. And uh, I think 17 years of and making mistakes has, has helped me get to where the level I'm at now, but I don't mean that in a way that I'm, I'm putting myself on a pedestal or, or saying I'm, a, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm Daryl Powell because I know I'm not. I've got, I've got a million and one things where I need to be better. Outstanding. Love that. Thank you for that detail. What's the end? What's what's the end goal? Uh, well, you know. Yeah, you know what? You know, people probably laugh, but you know, obviously, I want to coach Super League. I want to win Super League. You know, I want to, I want to win the Challenge Cup. Uh, you know, I want to coach England, and I want to beat Australia. And yeah, and you know, when I've, when I've, when I've achieved all that, I'll probably have some, some, <laughs> some, some satis- You know, I'll probably be satisfied with, me, with where I'm at in life. But up, up until then, you know, that hunger and that drive will, will remain. And yeah, yeah, I suppose. You had a little taste of that last year, beating the Aussies for England, albeit uh, academy level. It was great, absolutely great. I loved, I loved working with the, uh, with the, the EPU. Uh, you know, met some friends for life. Really, really clicked with Jamie Langley. Got a lot of respect for him. Built some really positive relationships with it, with some of the young players. Uh, let myself down a little bit in one of the games. I was on the sideline, and uh, one of the Aussies, one of the, <laughs> he's only probably seventeen, and he's walking past me. He's looking dejected, and you know, I've, I've grown up with Australia beating us. He's walking past me, and I've just tapped him on the back to get used to that. Get fucking used to that. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes later, I'm like, why? Why was not that? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> 37. <laughs> when you're trying to sign that player in Super League, your head coach, it might yeah. come back and bite you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, there's two James Swords. One's an absolute dickhead, and one's all right. <laughs> Brilliant. I was just, just going to say there, Paul, what, what, what's frustrated you the, the most about your, your coaching career when you see other coaches or players do? What frustrates you the most? What brings out the dickhead James Ford apart from uh, most things? <laughs> I'll, tell you a, I'll tell you a story, really, uh, which did bring it out. You know, I got, we got accused of a lack of integrity, if you like, against Bradford. Uh, you guys will know Liam Salter is 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 one of the toughest human beings you've ever come across. You know, he, you know, he like literally runs in a straight line head first into people. He trying trying to encourage him to run into spaces and it's that's sailing to him. Uh, so he's clashed heads of salts and he's, he reviews our subs up as we do every week. We 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 will play the last ten minutes with no subs left because we will roll. We try and stay fresh earlier. Uh, and Salts comes off, concussed. He's got nose to one side, his face is covered in blood. And 
So then we get a free interchange, don't we? You get, you get a free. So then we put somebody on move. I think we ended up with Chris Bryan in, in the centre, the hooker in the centre. So it was hardly an intentional manoeuvre to, to disadvantage take one of our best players off to put a hooker out of position. Uh, but then the, the Bradford bench jumped up in arms about us cheating, faking concussions. Uh, and what I should have done is, I mean, I can't control that, can I? You know, I just, just, just leave it, you know, leave it to the doctor. The doctor's the professional person is giving the, is giving the signs of, of concussion, etc. Uh, but of course, I, I didn't. <laughs> uh, and then there were you know, a couple of sentences exchanged between me and one at Bradford players, which, which kind of got out of hand a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> To which, t- probably 10 minutes later, I did apologise to him. <laughs> because I didn't want to fight him at car park after I'd calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But there you go. <laughs> well, I suppose that leads on to the next bit then. Uh, what's your biggest area that you could improve on? <laughs> yeah, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm aware that I, that I can lose myself for, for a moment or two. And uh, I am working on that because, you know, that when you lose that little bit of composure and control, you're probably not making the best decisions, are you? And you know, that's part of my journey. And I'm aware of it. I'm working on it. And it's the same in, in, in sessions. And Danny's seen it where you, you're delivering a, a drill or a game. And when you, when you compose, you, you're giving great, good feedback. And when it's happening there and then, you might not be as, as calm and as, and as composed and articulate with what you, <laughs> what you deliver. Which ultimately, I suppose it's important because it can damage relationships between you and, and you and your playing group. Uh, it's something I'm certainly keen to work on. Uh, but I do feel that my honesty is a strength. I just probably need to come at it from a, a more consistent angle. And in terms of, you, I just think in terms of the game, you never stop learning, do you? You never stop learning about technicalities. Uh, of it, you know, tactical things. You, I'm, you, one of my favourite sayings is, "You don't know what you don't know." You, know, you could, I could sit down and someone could tell me something that they assume that I've got a great grasp of, I've never heard it before, and you won't know that until until you come across it. Hmm. And then, what would you say is your sort of your biggest value that you hold as a coach? What within myself, or within? Yeah, within yourself. I'd, I'd probably say. Our, reflective and honest with myself so you know, like I said earlier I know I know what I've made a mistake and I know when I've done something positive and uh, I think that then allows you to improve I think if you're going to lie to yourself and blame other people I'm not going to blame that Bradford player I'm not going to blame that Bradford coaching staff for that incident because ultimately that's not going to help me improve it will, it will me who reacted so it's completely my fault <laughs> Uh, it's me who being got. I'd have got filled in car park. <laughs> so it's me who needs to improve in that area. Uh, but I think that's probably one of my main strengths: so my willingness and honesty in terms of reflection. I just think um, as we try and bring this to a close now, and some really, especially you know, for every coach, every player and community coach, I think there's some real kind of good nuggets in there you can pull out. I certainly will, and use them moving forward as a coach myself. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to put. Um, you know, under the podcast or, or wherever we can get out Twitter, whatever, certain amounts of resources for coaching sessions. What would be James Ford's go-to drill? If you could pick one that he'd use all the time or activity, what would it be and why? 
Uh, well, we use a lot really, but I, I kind of like, we call them simulations. So we might have a, a theme where you, you, you're you working on a, on a specific part of the game. So we might be X simulation. We might select a side back row to back row on team A. So you've got your, your fall pack, you've got your one, six and seven. And they're basically working on plays, if you like, two, three, four, five, transitioning to D. And then on the other side, you have your back, your back three, because you might have another fullback, centres and, and, and some back rowers, they're working on players, kick return, players two and three, uh, and we just do, we just repeat, we repeat that over and over. Uh, obviously, you do your your your, uh, your skill, your general skills and your positional skills first, and then you might do a bit of con into that simulation to create that pressure. Uh, so basically, just really clarifying roles. Expect, expectations, uh, triggers that we're looking for, you know, both sides of the ball, you know, lines of carriage, you know, pause it, play hand on the box. So there's, it's a really specific drill to coming out of yardage pretty well. And we do we do it at least once a week, uh, probably eight to 12 minute blocks into some reactive games. So what we were looking for is the real structured, composed way of coming out of yardage where we can transition where we want to transition. But at the same time, we've got to be ready to play. So this triggers both sides of the route we're looking for. So we'll go, we'll switch, switch from, uh, if you like, the structured, methodical, mechanical drill where you, where you work, just work on your jobs, practicing your jobs over and over again, bang, and then you might drop into some small-sided games where you, you're ready to play. There's a, there's a 3v2 on a short side, there's an offload, there's a, there's a quick play of the ball, there's a, there's a, there's a kick chance. And so you, you're just kind of working in between them in the hope that you know, we get to be that team that, can play that way. You know, we can come out of yardage with shape, ready to play both sides of the ball. Our hearts can dictate when we when we when we pull it back, when we put the foot down. You know, our, our edges are always looking for opportunities. Our nines can read the fallout of a, of a rook, and that and that's where we're after. And I, I just think if you're if a side's really good at coming out of yardage and really good at transition today, you'll be in most games. And uh, think about the amount of time a part-time team gets uh, to train in terms of reinforcing skill, just hammering it, making sure that it's you've mastered it. We, we we put a lot of time in, in into into that, and uh, I think you can see that in how we play. You know, we we don't make many errors. You know, uh, you know our transitions are generally good, and we're, we're hard to break down on, on back of that. Uh, I do feel that we could be ready to play more. You know, I think that on occasions that we missed big three v threes, big four v fours, three v twos. But you know, Rome up built in a day, and I, I feel we're going in the right direction. Absolutely, that's great advice. And I think getting the tactical elements linked in and, and, and sewn up with the ability to play off the cup is key. And it doesn't sound like you're very much on that on that journey and heading in the right direction. What you you want to be able to do is use them tactical elements to be able to present yourself opportunities to play and, and see exactly, what they're playing. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the, you, you, the shapes that you're using and the, the individuals you've got, you know, your athletes that you've got are there to create speed or create big spaces or mismatches. And when you see them, First thing is seeing them. Second one is you know executing her in and around them. And uh, if every player, if every player in the in the York squad could do every aspect of it, you know, ten out of ten, they won't be with us. But at the minute, would they be with they be with uh, the mighty cast for Tigers? <laughs> Pitching for a job. <laughs> <laughs> what a free season ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, like I said, last question just to wrap it up is if you could ask any player or coach, past or present, any question, uh, what would it be? No doubt it would be Daryl Powell. <laughs> <laughs>
can I have a job, Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, do you know what? I don't know what question I'd like to, to ask him, but I, I'd like to spend some time with Ellery Anley. You know, he was an absolute world-class player. Uh, you know, coach and talented coach. Great Britain, you know, in, in the, against Australia. Uh, I'd just like to see, just talk to him and see, get his thoughts on on every, as much as I could, really. Uh, you know, I know he started in life as... He started in life slightly different to how he, where he's at now in terms of his journey personally and, and maybe how he conducted himself. And it'd be, it'd be good to talk to him about how that how that change transpired. And I think they'd be I think he'd be interesting. I think I'd, I'd think about to learn a lot from him. Outstanding, good choice. Good choice. To wrap it up, then Rob, back yeah. before Rob speaks, I just want to thank thank you for your time, Fordy. It's been exceptional. I think some really interesting stuff in there. So thank you for that. Appreciate it. I've enjoyed yeah. it, guys. It's uh, been nice to to uh, do something rugby related rather than uh, painting and decorating and, and that kind of stuff, which I've got absolutely no ability at whatsoever. <laughs> Are you enjoying your lockdown in Cuba? <laughs> Looks like you're in Cuba or somewhere there, mate. Love a little garden. Uh, you're breaking up a bit now, Donny. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Cuba. This is, this is Castleford. It's, it, is, it is the best place in Yorkshire. <laughs> I'll let you finish, Rob. No, yeah. Just, again, just like to echo that what Danny said and say thanks, and it's it's been it's been great. I'm sure the, uh, the listeners will get a lot out of it. So, cheers for coming on. No, no, thank you, thank you for your time, guys.